Here we go. Here we go. At our church, Jesus is Lord. That single belief calls us together as a community and sends us into our world with hope and purpose. At our church, your past will never define your future. There's always redemption, which means there's always a brighter day. At our church, we don't think we're better than any other church out there. We're just doing our best to become our best. At our church, we want you to believe in God, but we also want you to know that God believes in you. We are not against people who don't attend church anywhere. Instead, we pursue them with love, the very same love that's pursuing us. At our church, we're learning to serve God with all our hearts, and we're learning to worship Him with all our lives. And if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not it. At our church, we will make mistakes, but we will choose to grow from them. At our church, we're part of a global community that's knit together by the resurrection of Jesus. And by the way, at our church, we believe that really happened too. At our church, we will engage with people who are in real need because we are the hands and the feet of Christ. And finally, we need you to hear this loud and clear. At our church, it's not really our church at all. It's His. And we live and move and breathe in His church for His glory and His fame, not ours. So here's the invitation. You're invited to jump in with your whole heart at your own pace and to experience the life that awaits you in Christ. Friends, this is going to be good. Welcome to our church. Hi, I'm Rob Dickerson, lead pastor at LifeQuest Community Church in Hilton, New York. Oh, God, you're so good. God, you're so good to us, and we are so grateful for your presence in this place. Father, this morning we ask that as we jump into your word and as we explore what the good news means to us and how do we, how do we share it, Father, I pray that you would open our hearts would open our hearts to hear you clearly in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So when you hear the word gospel, what do you think? Music, right? Gospel music. What else? Clapping, right? Uh, gospel music. You think the Bible, you think Jesus. Good. That's right. Because you think of the New Testament? Yeah, it's good. What else? Anything else? The good word, okay. All right, it's the good it's the good news. It's the good literally gospel means good news. Um we'll let the guys from the Bible project tell us a little bit more about the gospel of the kingdom. There's this beautiful poem. It's in the book of Isaiah. The city of Jerusalem has just been destroyed by Babylon, a great kingdom in the north. And all of these Jewish people, they've been sent away into exile. But a few remained in the city. And they're left wondering, what just happened? Has our God abandoned us? Right, because Jerusalem was supposed to be the city where God would reign over the world to bring peace and blessing to everyone. Now, Isaiah had been saying that Jerusalem's destruction was a mess of Israel's own making. They had turned away from their God, become corrupt, and so their city and their temple were destroyed. Yeah, everything seems lost. 
But the poem goes on. There's a watchman on the city walls. And far out on the hills, we see a messenger. And he's running towards the city. He's running and he's shouting, good news. And Isaiah says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Beautiful feet? Yes. The feet are beautiful because they're carrying a beautiful message. What's the message? That despite Jerusalem's destruction, Israel's God still reigns as king, and that God himself is going to one day return to this city, take up his throne, and bring peace. And the watchmen sing for joy because of the good news that their God still reigns. Now in the New Testament, we find this same phrase, the good news. It's the Greek word euangelion, and it's also sometimes translated with the word gospel. So when Christians say, do you believe the gospel, they mean, do you believe the news? But not just any news. In the Bible, this phrase is always about the announcement of the reign of a new king. And in the New Testament, the gospels use this phrase to summarize all of Jesus' teachings. They say that he went about proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom. So Jesus saw himself as the messenger, bringing the news that God reigns. Yes, but the way that he described God's reign, it surprised everybody. I mean, think, a powerful, successful kingdom. It needs to be strong, able to impose its will, able to defeat its enemies. But Jesus said the greatest person in God's kingdom was the weakest, the one who loves and who serves the poor. And he said that you live under God's reign when you respond to evil by loving your enemies and forgiving them and seeking peace. This is an upside-down kingdom. Now, Jesus also said that this kingdom was arriving with him. Yeah, so for example, there's this really interesting story where there's a high-ranking Roman officer, and he comes to Jesus begging him to heal his servant. And he even calls Jesus his Lord, acknowledging that Jesus is his authority. Jesus praises this man for recognizing what no one else yet had, that not only was Jesus announcing God's kingdom, he was the king. And so the word gets out that this Jewish man from Galilee is talking and acting like he's the king of Israel. He's appointing 12 disciples, which are an image of Israel's 12 tribes. He's healing people forgiving people their sins. And all of this so threatened Israel's leaders that they finally decide to have him killed. And Jesus let them. Yeah, which is a weird thing to do if you're trying to become king. That's right. But for Jesus, this is what had to happen. Jesus saw the sin and the devastation of his people Israel as just one small part of the entire human condition. How all humanity has rebelled against God, resulting in the tragedy and devastation of our whole world. So how is God going to bring his reign over such a world? Jesus believed it would be through an act of sacrificial love for his enemies. This is why in the Gospels, Jesus' crucifixion is depicted as his enthronement as the king of the Jews. Yeah, he receives a crown. He also receives a robe. He's exalted up, not onto a throne, but onto the cross. How beautiful are the feet that bring good news. And the good news now is that Jesus has defeated death and that he reigns as king, that he's dealt with our sin and corruption himself and that he's conquered it with his life and with his love. And then Jesus sends his followers to go out and keep announcing this good news of the upside down kingdom and to invite everyone to give their allegiance to him, the king who defeated death with his love.
good news. When we think about where we're at uh, over the last uh, nine months, we're in the ninth month now of 2018, we've been reading through Scripture together as a church, and we've been uh, taking what we've read throughout the week and, and applying that to what we kind of explore and unpack on Sunday mornings. And so today we are, uh, if you're up to speed in the Bible reading plan, um, and you look at the plan ahead, we actually have two more chunks of Second Chronicles um, that um, I would just encourage you, if you've got some time this afternoon, to sit down and knock out Second Chronicles this afternoon. Uh, and we're going to start the New Testament tomorrow. Um, but if you're if you up to speed uh, and, you're, and you're all caught up, um, and I, I won't make you raise your hand to, to identify, hey, Pastor Rob, I'm all caught up or, or not, but uh, you know who you are. Uh, today, we will have finished the entire Old Testament, right? That's pretty huge. Um, and, and so maybe if you've never done that before, this is the first time you've ever read all the way through the Old Testament, awesome job. Congratulations. Um, yeah, you can clap for that. Um, and so if you've never done that before, I, I encourage you, uh, and, and maybe if you're, you're still trying to catch up, it's okay. It's okay. Um, but we're about to step into the New Testament now um, for these next few months of 2018 and, and unpack what does that mean. And, and the next section of Scripture that we're going to explore are called the Gospels. And so those are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they are all um, historical um, accounts of the life of Christ. And some of them focus on different aspects of who Christ is. And we'll unpack those as we go through. Next week we'll be talking about the book of Matthew. Um, and they, they were written uh, to different audiences. And so the theme of, uh, so it's like, why, why do we need four books that all tell the same story? Right? Isn't this kind of like First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings and then Chronicles all over again? Why do we have to hear the same thing? Uh, well, the reason that there are four is that they were written for two completely different audiences, and they had completely different points that they were trying to make. Uh, and we'll unpack that in the next couple of weeks. But I want to focus on the gospel itself, on the good news, because that's what it's all about. And so uh, what I, I love, um, the, the, the Greek word euangelion, they mentioned it in the message this morning. It literally means good news. And, and so you'll see that throughout the New Testament. So in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, Jesus said, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the euangelion. Repent and believe... The good news. And then in Romans chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, Paul says this. He says, The good news, the gospel regarding God's Son, who descended from heaven in his physical lineage, and who was appointed by the Holy Spirit to be the Son of God in power through his resurrection from the dead, Jesus, the Messiah, our Lord. The good news. In Isaiah, uh, it, it's interesting because God, um, uh, he speaks through both Jesus and Paul that this prophetic poetry from Isaiah 
that the the future arrival, the thing that they'd been waiting for there for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. When is this Messiah coming? When is he coming? When is he coming? Right. And as we've been reading through the Old Testament, uh, we, we started in Genesis and, and the promise that God gave to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 was that he was going to bless the whole world through this family, through Abraham's family, right? Remember, we, we talked about that a lot at the beginning of the year, that, that we are, we are part of that promise to bless the whole world, that he wants to bless the world through us and, and that we are now adopted in to the family of God through Christ. And so, um, it's the arrival of God's kingdom through the Messiah that, that Isaiah talked about that is the good news. And the, the gospels are not just, uh, historical stories, but they are these announcements that each one has a significant claim to an attribute of Christ and, and who he is. Um, and, and I want to just share this. I, I, I got this in an email this week and it really hit me. Um, and it's called the four cries of your community. And, and I was like, the four cries of our community. What does that mean? Uh, and, and so it says this, the, the first one, the four, the first cry of our community is the, is the word stay. And what does that mean? Uh, and, and so each one of these cries of our community, um, have kind of like a, an unpacking of it. The first one is stay. Don't give up on us. That as we think about uh, what God is calling us to do here in Hilton and Parma, sometimes it can get discouraging. It can get frustrating. Like, God, when are we going to see things happen? And, and it hit me. It reminded me, right? It could be easy to just cut bait and close the doors and call it a day. But our community cries out to us, stay. Don't give up on us. The second one is reach. Keep looking until you find us. Keep looking. Reach. And, and I believe that's what God is, is doing through the gate and, and what we're doing, uh, to reach out through Royal Rangers and, and Sacred Girls. Um, reaching families for Christ. The third one is this. Communicate. Let us know that you love us and you want us. That the people in our community need to know that God loves them and we love them. That we're not just driving past their houses on Sunday morning so that we can sit in our room and say, yay, Jesus, and then get in our cars and drive back home. That we need to look for ways that we can love the lost in our community. And, and, and maybe, maybe for you it, it's a challenge, right? Because some of us live outside of Hilton and Parma. The, the people that God's calling us to love and to reach are those people that we rub shoulders with at the lunch table, at school, and at work. And it's coming, guys. Who is God going to have you reach this year? And then the last one is this. Show. So number one, Stay, stay, say, stay with me. That's kind of hard to say at the same time. Stay, don't give up on us. Number two, reach. Say reach with me. Reach, okay, now I think we got it, to understand. Number three, communicate. Communicate, let us know you love us and you want us. And the fourth one is show. 
show who is this Jesus and how can I meet him? That's what our community, they may not even know that that's what they're crying out for. But that's what they need. I, we have a, a young couple that um, they, they were here a, a few weeks ago. They've been buried under uh, preparations for their wedding. Um, and I, I love this young couple. Uh, it, it's, it, we're, their wedding is next Saturday. And I'm pretty excited uh, to officiate their wedding. Um, it was interesting that when they came and visited our church um, for a couple of weeks, um, she was talking about how much she loved what was happening here and, and how friendly people were. And, and she said, and I really love the karaoke. I, lo- I love karaoke. Like, and, and she goes, I can't wait because we sing to words on a screen. Right? She doesn't even know what the words are. And in her mind, she came in, oh, they're singing words off of a screen. It's karaoke. Right? It makes perfect sense. Um, and and they're, they, they still don't know what they don't know yet. But they, they I, and I, I feel bad that they, please pray uh, for Josh and Cassandra um, this week. They, they've gone through the ringer getting ready for this wedding. Sandra's mom and her family just have completely walked away from her. They're not coming to the wedding. They're not doing anything. And so they lost their ho- their, their wedding venue, um, and they, they bought the blue house on 259 as you're um, heading south with the camper out in front of it. Um, and so they have been gutting and renovating that house to move into. It's now the wedding venue. Um, so they've been every weekend and every weeknight building, gutting, cleaning, demolishing, restoring, so that by next Saturday it's somewhat presentable. And they're, they, they're, they have a beautiful property in the back um, that they're going to have a tent and the wedding's going to be out back. Um, but they need Jesus. And it was beautiful as we were going to going through their premarital counseling and, and talking about um, the spiritual component to marriage and how important it is that, that faith is not just something that we add in as one of a few things, but it's the central thing. And, and to, to hear someone who has no church background at all say, I want to connect with the church. I, I want our family to be a part of a church. Um, they, the people that need Jesus need us to show up. Um, and I don't know how else to say that. Uh, this week there's going to be some things that I'm going to send out in, in an email, some, some video um, clips that, uh, as I've been preparing for today's message, um, that they just absolutely blew me out of the water. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes when we think about sharing the gospel, it, it paralyzes us. Right? We get nervous. Like, what in the world am I going to say? And how am I going to say it? And, and how do I share my faith? Right? Every Sunday, Pastor Rob gets up and says, talk to your neighbor, talk to your coworker, talk to your family members that don't know Christ. And I'm like, yeah, have you met my neighbor? Um, and, um, I, there is this, I, I saw this video and it was so powerful because we can take any opportunity 
and and use it to share Christ with someone. And it doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be uncomfortable. It doesn't have to be awkward. It's totally natural. Uh, I saw this video clip, and I'm not going to show it because it's long, but I'm going to send you the link to it because it is so good. There was a, a uh, like a TED Talk or some conference that was exploring um, mass incarceration and the problem with mass incarceration in our country that obviously has to do with uh, the inequity of the the color of people's skin that are in the prison system. And so there were two African-American um, panel members in this conversation, and one of them was an atheist, and one of them was an African-American pastor from Washington, D.C., and I, I'm going to butcher his name. Uh, his name was Tabidi on a B-way, um, maybe. I don't know. When you, when you watch the video, uh, the, the kid pronounces it right. Um, and they're talking about the case for hope, right? And as they're talking about mass incarceration and the problems that we have in our culture and in our society, uh, Pastor Tabidi, like, over and over and over again, spells out the clearest, most amazing presentation of the gospel that I have ever seen. And it's all done um, on The the, uh, the Atlantic is a, a national magazine. They're the ones who hosted this talk. Um, and so on The Atlantic's dime, this pastor is preaching the gospel, the good news to all the people that are sitting in that room and to the thousands and thousands and thousands of people who have then since watched that clip online. Um, and I just want to encourage you to watch it. Um, I'm not going to play it, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm, an email's going out this afternoon and you can click on it and watch it. It will blow you away how naturally he just weaves the case for hope. Because that's really what it is, right? Um, Here's a different way to share the gospel that I think is pretty funny. Our family, we are huge Mr. Bean fans. Anybody anybody love Mr. Bean? Uh, Rowan Atkinson is an incredible actor, hysterical comedian. Um, and if Rowan Atkinson, I don't believe he's a Christian, but if he were a Christian, he might sound something like this. People often say to me, they say, Jay John, you know, what, what do you do? Uh, it's always very difficult to know what to say. Because if I say to you that I'm a reverend, which I am, that conjures up certain images in people's minds as to what I might be. So I like to be a little bit creative in telling people what I do. I sat next to this lady on an aeroplane at Heathrow Airport. And I said, hello. And she said, well, hello. And I said, where are you going? And she says, I'm going to Singapore. Then she said to me, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Australia. I said, what do you do? So she told me. Then she said, what do you do? And I said, well, (laughs) I work for a global enterprise. She said, do you? I said, yes, I do. I said, we've got outlets in nearly every country of the world. She said, have you? I 
said, yes, we have. I said, we've got hospitals and hospices and homeless shelters. I said, we do marriage work. We've got orphanages. We've got feeding programs, educational programs. I said, we do all sorts of justice and reconciliation things. I said, basically, we look after people from birth to death, and we deal in the area of behavioral alteration. She went, wow! And it was so loud, her wow, loads of people turned around and looked at us. She says, what's it called? I said, it's called the church. If we are a follower of Jesus, then we are part of a global enterprise. But not only is it global, it's intergalactic, because it includes everyone that's gone before us. Wow. (laughs) People often say to me, they say, J. John, you know, what what do you do? It's always very difficult to know what to say. Because if I say to you... Um. He's like my new favorite guy. Uh, his name is Jay, uh, Jay John. He's a pastor. He lives in London. And uh, I'm going to send you some links to a talk that he gave. Uh, and I want to share a little bit of what he says in there, but I, I won't do it nearly the justice that he does. Um, but in the, in the video that I'll send you later uh, this afternoon, he tells that story again. Um, he's speaking at a church here in the States. And he shares three things. That as we, as we understand who we are in the body of Christ, that we have a responsibility to do three things. In, in the response to the cry of our community, right? That, that says to share, uh, to stay and to reach and to communicate and to show who Christ is, we have a responsibility to do three things. The first one is to pray. And we talked about that already. That we have to get on our knees and pray. Terry and I were talking about this uh, in, in the car on the way here to church. That in, in our family, our, the patriarchs of our family, Grandma and Grandpa uh, Braun, they prayed every single day for our family. They prayed for every grandkid. They prayed for the entire clan. And and they're not with us anymore. And I, I remember at Grandpa's funeral, someone asking, who's going to pick up the slack? Who's going to be praying for the family? And I don't know, I don't know where we're at in that. But uh, John, uh, J. John, uh, talks about uh, how every single day he and his wife have a list of 32 people that don't know Christ. Uh, not just family members, that's a different prayer. But they have a list of people who don't know Christ and they pray for them every morning and every evening, twice a day, that the kingdom of God will come into their hearts and lives, that the Holy Spirit would draw them to Christ, that God would send people to speak into their lives. And as they pray, God does amazing things. Uh, and he, he, 
I'll, I'll tell you this. I think that God's already starting something. We prayed last Wednesday that God would, that his, his unity would, would be, uh, in our church and in the churches of the Hilton community. We prayed for salvations that people who are lost would come to Christ. Uh, and we prayed, what was the third thing we prayed for? Can't remember. Unity, salvations, and healing. Uh, and we prayed for healing for people who are sick. And, and one of the things I prayed for was that, that we would have opportunities to share Christ and invite people to, ha- to, to, to meet Christ. So yesterday, I don't know that Chick even realizes that he's an ant- he is part of that prayer. Uh, Chick was driving out of the parking lot uh, a couple of Sundays ago. And as Chick does, noticed that there were two bicycles sticking out of the dumpster. And he was like, oh, those bikes don't look that bad. And so he popped open the dumpster and pulled the bikes out because every day when he drives back and forth to come here to church and on his way wherever he goes, he saw this guy who lives out here on 18 who has a bunch of bikes for sale alongside the edge of his garage. And so Chick was like, you know what? I'm going to use those bikes as an opportunity. And so he pulled into this guy's driveway and said, hey, would you like, the, I, I've pulled these bikes, I think they're in pretty decent shape. And it, it, it was the, the gentleman who we met uh, said, yeah, well, it's actually my 12-year-old son. And, and he fixes them up and sells them. And whatever money that he makes, that's, what, that's how his, my 12-year-old makes money. I'm teaching him to be an entrepreneur. And, and so Chick was like, 12-year-old young man, let me talk to you about Royal Rangers. And would you be in, and, and so yesterday at setup, he came in and grabbed a whole packet of information to invite this family, uh, his young, this young man to Royal Rangers and to invite the family to go to church because they don't go to church anywhere. Right? J. John says this in the video and you'll, you, when you watch it, you'll, it's, it's so, so true. When we pray, coincidences happen. When we don't pray, they don't. That if we're looking for opportunities to share the gospel with people, but we don't pray first, they're not going to materialize. But when we pray, when we seek God, when we say, God, genuinely, with all of my heart, I want to share the gospel with someone this week, if you genuinely pray that prayer today, I guarantee you, God's going to create a coincidence for you this week to do exactly that. But you have to have the boldness to pray the prayer, right? Number one, we need to pray. The second thing we need to do is we need to care, right? Once you have that opportunity to pray, then you actually have to care. And it may be uncomfortable. It may mean that you have to sit with someone that you didn't want to sit with at lunch, at work, or at school, or wherever. Because God puts something in your heart to talk to that person, it might be uncomfortable. But Jesus didn't say, hey, follow me and everything's going to be easy. Did he promise that? No. It's going to be a challenge. It's going to be, it's going to take a step of faith. But when you care, when you, when you express that genuine love for someone, 
That's what helps them. I, I love, uh, he describes it so awesomely in the video about how, imagine this candle is the moment of salvation for someone, right? And and so the people that we know that don't know Christ, they're over here on the other side of the candle. And and so we, our, our part that we play in what God is doing in bringing hope to our world is Number one, he calls us to pray, right? That's one of the things Jesus says over and over and over again. Pray, pray, pray. Pray continuously. The new, Paul in the New Testament says, pray without ceasing. Always be in prayer. Why? Because when we pray, the Holy Spirit grabs these people that are away from Christ and draws them closer. And so maybe there's somebody here and they're like a negative 20 when it comes to faith. But you pray for them and God begins to whisper into their hearts and somebody says something about church and they're like, you know what? That's kind of, I, I was that I was thinking about that the other day. Oh, really? You were thinking about that the other day. Yeah, the Holy Spirit was speaking to you. And now, now that negative 20 person is now a negative 15 person, right? And so many times we're like, we want to be the ones that are right here that see them when they take that step over. And they're like, yes, God, look at, that's right. We're like, uh, my friends on Facebook that are that are pastors of these um, huge churches, and they post, you know, how many hundreds of people got baptized at their church this past weekend, and how many salvations, and it's like, man, God, why isn't that happening here? That's not the point. The point is, we are faithful, and we pray, and we pray that God will draw them, and he will draw them, and he will draw them, and wherever they land, as long as... They are landing on the side of Christ. I don't care. If that's Life Quest, if that's Calvary Assembly of God, if that's Greece Assembly of God, if that's Hilton United Methodist, if it's Cross Point Free Methodist, I don't care. As long as they have met Christ. So I do care. I care that they meet Christ. We pray, we care, and we share. Um, Here's the thing. When it comes to sharing the gospel, that makes all of our brains go, right? It's hard. Or we think it is. Um, on your tables, there are some sheets of paper that say gospel on them. Um, I want you to grab these. So we're going to quickly walk through how easy it is to share the good news. Um, and if you're at your table and there's not enough of them, I, there's some extras over here. Jason, make sure that everybody's got oh, one. My do. I, they do, they do. But if somebody doesn't have, anybody not have one that wants one? Here's the, here's the gospel journey. And what I love about the gospel journey is that it, it like, when we think about what's the Bible all about, right? As we've been reading through scripture this year and, and reading through the Old Testament, it's been, there's been some pretty crazy stories, right? There have been talking donkeys and there have been tons and tons of blood sacrifices and all kinds of wars and good kings and terrible kings. And there have been uh, people who are supposed to be these amazing people and they're liars and they're adulterers and they're murderers. And still the Bible calls them men after God's own heart. What, how does this work? This is the story of the Bible. And so, and it, it's an acrostic, right? Because we love acrostics. We love spelling things out of things. And so if you take the word gospel, the first one is this. G in gospel is that God created us to be with him. 
That, that when you're, when you're trying to help someone understand what's this whole thing about? What's the point? The first thing is Genesis chapters one and two, that God created us to be with Him. That's why we're here. God created us to be with Him. And, and so He, He creates Adam and Eve and He tells them to, to be, He fills them with purpose to be fruitful and to multiply in Genesis 1.28. And he gives them a mission of taking care of the earth in Genesis 2.15. And, and then uh, their nakedness, the fact that they had no clothes in Genesis 2.25, represented the fact that they had no sin. They had no shame. They could walk around completely naked and there was no concern of any kind. Um, they had nothing to hide from God and from each other. And they walked with God every single day. It was this beautiful connection with God that we can only barely comprehend. That God created us to have this perfect relationship with Him. And then, the O in Gospel is Genesis chapter 3. God created us to have a relationship with Him, but oh, our sin separated us from God. Our sin put a wall, it put a barrier, the grand canyon of distance between us and God because He is perfect and holy. And and Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, they sinned and they immediately became aware. Right? The moment they they blew it, wait a second, why are we naked? I'm not on a Discovery Channel reality show. Why do I have no clothes on in the woods? Right? This is not naked. Well, it was naked and afraid. But there were no cameras. And they're like, and, and, and instantly, unlike the people on that TV show, instantly there was shame. Um, that w- what just happened? And so God had to do something. There had to be a consequence, right? And they were banished from the garden. They were kicked out. And He, God, had to, uh, we're not sure how, what, how that all transpired, but Animals had to die so that skins could be made so that they could have clothes to cover their nakedness. And, and in Genesis, it says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And so then he starts telling this story through, through Adam and Eve and through their kids and through uh, Abraham and through his family. So, so gee, God created us to have a relationship with him. But number two, oh, our sins separated us from God. And and here's the thing. Here's the whole story of the Old Testament. From Genesis chapter 4 to Malachi chapter 4, sin cannot be removed by good deeds. That's the whole point of the Old Testament, is that they try and they try and they try to get their sins paid for by sacrifices and and work and, and, and trying to obey the law. And you can't work hard enough to earn your way into heaven. There's nothing that you can do. And, and that's the whole point of the Old Testament, that, that we can't earn our salvation no matter how hard you try. God created us to have a relationship with Him. Our sins separated us from God. Sin cannot be removed by good deeds. And it goes all the way through Exodus and Leviticus, the whole sacrificial system, the whole Old Testament tells the story of the Jewish people, some who realized they were sinners and some who didn't. And then we get to the New Testament. Here's the P in gospel. God separated us from our sin. 
Our sin separated us from God. Sin can't be removed by good deeds. And the P in gospel is paying the price for sin. Jesus died and rose again. That's Matthew and Mark and Luke telling that story again and again and again in different ways, in different directions, from different points of view. That Jesus came to the earth as the fulfillment of the law. He said that I, I've come to fulfill the law, not to make it all go away. He paid the price. And then in John chapter 19, verse 30, he, hanging on the cross, screamed these three words, it is finished. It's paid. Uh, and, and we've talked about that before, that that word, uh, those words, that phrase, it is finished, were were economic words they were they were business language that when you pay a debt in full like you have a student loan and and you finally get to that point where you've made that last payment and you don't ever have to pay that school payment ever again the word tetelestai it is finished i don't have to pay that bill anymore it feels good right when you sign that last student loan payment it is good it is finished Jesus looks at the debt that we owe, the debt of sin that we owe, and he paid the price for us. Not only that, but he died on the cross like we saw in the video, and and, and that would be amazing, but he didn't stay there. He didn't stay dead. He rose on that third day, on that Sunday morning, and he was seen by over 500 people. I mean, all kinds of... the, the, The thing that's so beautiful and powerful about the gospel is it's true. It happened. We're not, we're not following some made-up story. It happened historically. And, and you, we can argue all kinds of things, but there is so much evidence to the fact of the resurrection um, that, that is just mind-boggling to me. He died on the cross and he rose again. So G, what's G? God... God created us to have a relationship with him. Then what's the problem? Our sin separates us from God. And what's, what's the deal with sin? Sin can't be removed by good deeds. And then the New Testament starts with the story of Christ paying the price for sin. Jesus died and rose again. And here's the great part. This is what the Gospel of John is all about. Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. When we put our trust in Christ, that free gift is applied to us, everyone. Um, you know, sometimes I, I, I heard this illustration uh, this, this week. I thought it was so powerful. When we think about all the different world religions that are out there, and, and how do we know that, uh, that Christianity is the right way? And, and uh, J. John, he described it like this. He said, imagine you're on a road. And you come to the end of this road and it branches off into two forks and you don't know which way to go, right? You could go to the left or you could go to the right. Which way do I go? And then there uh, on either side of each road are two men laying on the ground and one is dead and one is alive. Who do you ask? Who do you ask? You ask the one who's alive. Right? Because when you look at all the other world religions that are out there, their leaders and their founders are all dead. 
But Christ is risen. He is alive. And you can ask him which way to go and he will tell you. Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. And this is the one that I think we struggle with the most as we close. It's the last one, the L in the gospel. Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. Because of his death on the cross and his resurrection, we get eternal life now. It's not that we get to go to heaven someday when we die. That eternal life, the moment you put your trust in Christ, the eternal life started at that moment. And now we get to be a part of that upside-down kingdom, to be a part of the story that God is telling in this world. And we get to rule and reign with him uh, when all of that, the, the, the end of the Bible, uh, the beautiful thing about Revelation, when you read all the way to the end of the book, we win. He wins. Um, that's our hope. I, I found these two quotes I thought were incredibly powerful um, because I think sometimes we get this false idea of what Christianity is about. And maybe you know some people who they their their idea, their model of Christianity is because I'm a Christian, then everything in my life has to be perfect. And I'm going to, whether it's perfect or not, I'm going to pretend that it's perfect. Um, these two different, two different authors, uh, the one, his quote is, Following Christ is not one's golden ticket to a white picket fence American dream. It's an invitation to die, to pick up a cross. Ouch. Second quote is this. I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew that a bottle of port would do that. If you want religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. Right? Um, and what they're getting at is this. Uh, one of them, the, man, the first author, is, uh, his last name is McCracken. The second one is C.S. Lewis. Um, and what they're both getting at is it's easy to find happiness and comfort. But living the Christian life and being a part of a church community requires making sacrifices and it may make you uncomfortable. But ultimately, it helps us to become more like Christ which is why we're doing it. That's the point. And it's worth it. The Gospels, as we're going to unpack over the next few weeks, retell the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection from four different perspectives. And, and our part in the Gospel story is God is calling us to pray and to care and to share. Who will you be praying for this week? Let's pray. Father, we are, we are humbled by the call that you have placed on each one of us to be a part of the gospel. That it's not just about getting up on Sunday mornings and coming to church and then thinking that we've done our duty to God, but that you call us every single day to live the gospel at work, in our car, at school, to our neighbors, to our family. Lord, help us this week to humble ourselves and to seek your face. Lord, we're not seeking revival. We want you. Lord, we're not looking 
for, for anything more than your presence in this place and in our lives. Lord, we pray for those in this community that are lost, that are, that are out there right now in the dark and they don't know you. Father, help us. Help me. Step across the street and share hope with them. Lord, as kids come to the gate this week, Lord, I pray that you would give us opportunities to share hope with them. As our students go back to school on Wednesday, Lord, give them opportunities to share hope with their friends. Lord, as, as we uh, go about our business in our neighborhoods and at the grocery store and at work, give us opportunities to share hope, to pray and to care and to share. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Blessings this week. Um, pray that you have an awesome week. If you're able to stick around and help us clean up, that would be amazing. Uh, if not, go enjoy your Labor Day weekend, and I will see you next Sunday. Blessings. Thank you for listening to the LifeQuest Worship Experience. If you're in Hilton, you can join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. We meet in the Hilton Community Center, 59 Henry Street. We have a full children's ministry program during the 10 a.m. service, including care for nursery through sixth grade. Please join us again online at lifequest.cc or in person at the Hilton Community Center. We pray you have a blessed week.